would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land we are broadcasting from, the Boorurung people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present. We would also like to acknowledge all the traditional owners from all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander lands you are listening from. What do you get when a Japanese Jewish woman, a Korean woman and a Nigerian Malawian woman get together to chat about living, working and raising families in Australia? You get Like Us, a podcast that is Anna Song, Noi Chasel and Zioni Walker Nintendo, three Australian women from different cultural backgrounds discussing their personal relationship with Australia and Australia's relationship with them. Hello, hello. Hello. I've got some questions here. Actually. Oh my god! <laughs> I know. So this is a fun one. This will be a fun one for you, Ms. Anna Song. Anna <laughs> all Song. caps, all caps, all caps. <laughs> yeah. Raising kids, and how do we say it? raising kids in a? What did you nicely put it? Majority culture. Majority culture. When they're minority kids. Minority kids oh. in a majority culture. That kind of but thing. But it's an interesting thing because I mean, I guess from my point of view, what does? Yeah. It's an interesting thing from my point of view. It's sort of. Layered? Like graduations of? Yeah. I mean, I don't even know how to word it without just sounding so wrong on every level. (laughs) Because I guess I'm I'm sort of already I'm already starting to falter in this conversation. Anna, are you what are you doing? Are you checking your TikTok or something? What's happening here? (laughs) You've already checked out of this this conversation. Kids, I don't need to get with this. You deal with the problem. I'm a single childless woman here. So I'm just taking it in. I'm just just listening. Oh, you're taking notes for when you have kids. Can I just say she already looks bored? I feel like this is a conversation. I'll pipe in. Don't you worry. I'm a bit stressed. Maybe this is a conversation you need to lead because I feel like I was the child. I was the child. So I'm a biracial child. And then now what do I call my children? So I'm married a white dominant, well, I'm white dominant, I'm not a dominant. (laughs) You you dominate that relationship. (laughs) I could tell two seconds in. Don't say that. We have a very equal footing relationship. Thank you you very much. And, um, but I married a, you know, white man. So my kids are very proudly ethnically diverse, but for all intents and purposes, they look like they're part of the majority culture. Right, right, right. And it's a struggle for me, I suppose. This is where the conversation is different. It's it's a struggle for me to bring them back into their ethnic identity. Yeah, because are they like, what ethnic identity? Or at least they know. Well, they're very, they, they are very particular. Participatory in a Jewish cultural identity, yeah. and they are proudly identifying as a Japanese identity, which is something I was not able to do right. for either of those. I wasn't able to proudly claim a Jewish identity or a Japanese identity. I think I just felt in the times that I was in, I didn't feel the confidence. I also feel that perhaps because of being mixed race, it I didn't belong in either. I didn't belong in a white yeah. race and I didn't belong in an Asian race. Yeah. And then growing up here in Australia, I didn't feel welcome or wanted in either. Wow. Nor did I feel like I had a home in either. Wow. So I felt really lost, really hurt. And I guess without this wanting to sound too well was me, a little bit damaged by all of that. So right. having these children, it was really important for me that they felt a sense of belonging to some community. From the you know, get-go. Right. I didn't even care which. You choose. Choose a community. <laughs> anything. Doesn't, anything. doesn't even have to belong to <laughs> Just me. Just belong. Yeah, find a community. <laughs> Any community. Anything. Will, yeah. I don't even have to know who Anyone they are. Anyone who will have have you? Basically, <laughs> I put up a sign. If you'll take my kids, I'll go. <laughs> so I'm really, it, it gives me such 
warmth and yeah, comfort right. to see them, you know, proclaim their identity, yeah. Australian, Jewish, Japanese. Yeah. I don't know how they can do it. I love it. Love, love, love. Wow. But, but they're comfortable in all of it. So they, at this point at in this time, point in that's time. what they say. Yeah. But then I'm not really sure what that means because where is their language? Yeah. Where is their... Hmm. Where is their face in that? I'm not even talking about in terms of yeah. skin color, yeah. but where are they showing up to be counted? Where is the okay? And this is horrid. And yeah. one way, show, where is their pain? Whoa! No, but hello. So, so do you do you think that if you're a minority, you always have to have that pain to kind of almost justify your minority status? No, is that part of the journey? I don't know. It was part of my journey, yeah, right. but I'm wondering yes. where yeah. where is it that you. Where is it that you are, what are you claiming, I guess is my point. So what is it that you are actually claiming other than? All the good bits. And I have no problem with that on one hand. Yeah. But then it's also a bit of a fashion glory. And I'm not criticizing my children what they're trying to do because I think it's fabulous. I was not able to do that. I guess I'm asking you, what what is it that you are seeing? Because you're seeing what I'm not seeing. Yeah. Yeah. So this is in relation to your kids? It's in relation to our kids. Yeah. Yes. Let's talk about us in another part. (laughs) That's another episode because that's fascinating. Yeah. But but I'm just sort of curious. Is it that they've... um, they very comfortably identified with their Jewishness, mm-hmm. like the heritage, the language, yeah. the culture, the religious context, yes. the food, any of that. And it's like, yeah, I get that and I can participate in that. And that's fantastic. And the same with their Japaneseness, And that's fantastic. And they know some of the trauma of both of those two cultures. And they're like, yeah, I understand it intellectually. And that's enough for us at this point in time in our lives. So they haven't actually taken on the actual pain element of it. Um they're in their teenage years, right? So I've got a 13-year-old who has bar mitzvah. So he's yes. gone through that massive rite of passage. Right. So what you're saying, bo- what both of you are saying, I take it on board. So yes, Anna, they're young. And also, as you're saying, Zioni, they he yeah. has understand yeah. a level yeah. of understanding. Mm. Yeah. My second one is 11. So hasn't gone through that rite of passage. And the levels of understanding are mm. a little bit different. Mm. So there is that cultural awareness on both sides. Yeah. There is an easier way of identifying as being Jewish because yeah. it's a bigger community. Yeah. It's a, there's no. Mm-hmm. There's, I was just about to ask, how do they connect with their Japanese? It's harder because the language is a barrier, yeah. of course, you yeah. know. Yeah. And there's so many more other way, difficult ways of being of of be, trying to be able to participate. Yeah. There. So I find that much yeah. much more of a struggle to be able to make that happen. And of course, going to Japan right now is almost impossible. Yeah. But when we went, for example, that was a real call for them that was wow. a, that was amazing for them did they feel that they felt and that. they felt that they they had a belonging in japan fascination i'm not right. sure about they that. had fascination they had a fascination yeah. and i feel well, that from your your perspective what you saw in your children's engagement with japan was one of fascination rather than belonging per se I think that's maybe how I'm defining it for mm, them. I yeah. think they feel, or particularly my eldest, I'm proud that proud, this is part of me proud. and I'm part of that. I think that's what I that that's what they yeah. would say. Pro- they feel proud. Yeah. But I want to go back to what you said before about pain, and I suppose I relate to that point. I mean, you know, as I said before, I don't have children, but when I see in the media and in the public realm, especially. Um, interracial children living Mm. in Korea, for example, Mm. there is still confronting amount of racism, some violent, some otherness, you know, more indirect and subtle. But regardless, you know, these children who were born in Korea, who go to school in Korea, who have um, 
parents, one Korean and one not of different colored skin, I see sort of TV programs about them um, on YouTube in Australia, and I and I really feel for them because the way we talk about racism in Australia, I think, you know, is maybe a bit more subtle and we can even talk about the microaggressions mm, and so yeah. forth. But I find that, you know, for me, observing the dialogue in Korea about race relations in the specific context of children mm. that embody mixed race, it's still... I think that Korean society is still finding its own language mm. to talk about mm. it. And I think we to, all are. I yeah. think it's a very complicated thing because mm. it deals with children mm. and it deals with this level of con- mm. being confronted with mm. self and what you're going to do with your next generation. Mm. And I think our language around that is still really immature, yeah. Yeah. don't you think? Yeah, yeah. And sometimes I'm watching these TV programs and like high school kids, for example, of that background, they don't look Korean. I look more Korean than you know, they do, but I can tell their Korean is better than mine. <laughs> right, right, right. You mean speaking? Yeah. Right, 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 right. Because I left after right. primary yes, school. Yes. Yeah. So I probably carry more foreignness than they, uh, than they but, you know. You'd be more accepted. That In some ways, yeah. In some ways, And yeah. I feel this weird sense of that's unfair, it's unjust. Mm. But... Mm. It's not something I feel like as an individual I can take on necessarily. No, but it's also more about that sense of belonging. Mm. You know, there's an inherent sense of being accepted and belonging. And I think from a child's point of view, it's that wanting to be part of the gang about being part of that clique. And so if you're, if it's about a sense of culture or identity, be it ethnic or religious or racial, if you don't fit in somehow, it's kids are going to find a way through that, you know, find a way to make mm. you feel different. And so if you're going to sit on the outside or between two cultures or between two boundaries, it can be very difficult mm. and isolating experience. Isolating. Yeah, it's really interesting. So with my daughter, um, we never really talked about race right. in my house, mm. right? And I remember um, at some point, she, I mean, she's only ever identified as Australian when right. she was growing up. She was born here and so on and so forth. And at some point in her school, she said somebody thought she was Indian. And so she asked if she was Indian. I'm like, oh, no, you're not Indian. But I didn't give an alternative response. I just Because <laughs> I was actually curious to see where is this going to go, right? And then later on, an- another time, somebody thought she was Aboriginal. Am I Aboriginal? No, you're not Aboriginal. Same. No response. You did a social experiment on your daughter? Yikes, it sounds pretty (laughs) horrific. But I guess because she was all about her Australianness, I kind of really wanted her to sit with that, like sit with owning that. Talk about the layers later, but just own that Mm. because I don't have that. So how old is your daughter now? She's now 14, but these conversations were primary school conversations, like early primary school conversations, seven, eight, thereabouts. And then at some point, and I think because there's some African kids in her school, she sort of you know, figured it out. Uh, yeah, I think I think this is where I, I think this is it. I think this is That's the connection. But she said so. Somebody I think pointed it out to her, and she's like, "Oh, no, my parents are African. I'm I'm not. I'm Australian." Wow. And so she's telling me about this, and I thought That's interesting. So what does she think Africanness is and Australianness is? And I thought that I asked deep. a few questions, and yeah. Anyway, didn't really go anywhere, so sort of left that. However. 
my friends, we have some friends who are black British, and they taught their son about racism from the get-go. And I remember being so amazed. I feel saddened about that somehow. I I don't know why. By the level of sophistication with which they spoke to him about it, and with the way he was able to navigate that. So he went to a very, very Tony, all-white private school here, yeah. right, where he was the only different kid. Wow. And I think some kids started teasing him and so on and so forth. And he said, oh, I don't like that. And he told the teacher and he said to the teacher, I want to address it with the class. Primary school, right? Courage. Totally. And addressed it with the class um, in terms of why and the history and the whole vibe, right? Whoa. I was so impressed, right? Amazing. But I knew and I said to them, um, I don't have the language to teach my daughter about the whole racial history because if you think about it, I lived in Nigeria where I was part of the majority culture. Yes. I didn't navigate yes. this. You didn't have to navigate I didn't racism. Have to. Yeah. Whereas mm. they were born into it. They were as, as they black were, British. Yeah, minority people. culture. Yes, totally. So they totally know how to teach their children right. about they how to navigate this, it. right? I'm like, I don't know. It's a totally so different I'm a little context. I'm yeah. um, scared because I think that I don't want to burden my daughter with this whole context, which I'm learning mm. as an adult. Mm. So I'm like, mm. when she tells me stuff, I will educate her then. But until then, we'll just keep writing because I'm learning as she's learning. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so we, we've we only really started having the conversation yeah. while she's been in high school. George Floyd, which she yeah. learned about on TikTok. And I'm like, oh, my God, there are better places to learn about more sophisticated, you know, whatever. I, I know we laugh about that. But, but can I just say... That's a um, uh, that's a great way of learning. I mean, she I learned about it, and that's a great place of seeing it. So and I learned about it. Wasn't it. as superficial as I assumed. Right, it's the same. Either. I'm being totally judging no, no, here. No, no, I was totally judging. No, it no, no. Too. As, as, as did my boys. So my yeah, boys saw, totally. and it was horrific. It was a horrific, particularly for my youngest, who's very sensitive yeah. in these issues. Saw yeah. this on TikTok, and it opened an opportunity for a conversation. Yeah. That's so amazing. I find, I, I think that I these this these are really powerful ways of engaging in these conversations about how you navigate and mm. why this is a problem. And exactly, exactly. Because otherwise it's never going to be talked about it's because if you shelter be it otherwise, That's right? That's right. And this is forcing it into their, their media. Yeah. So Zioni and I have talked about in the past about that my majority uh, childhood experience yeah. mm-hmm. and coming to Australia as more or less, you know, at adult age, how the race relations discourse in Australia, I, you know, I don't consider myself minority because that's not It's not your dominant context, even though it is the reality. Yeah, but because I wasn't raised, uh, you know, as in that childhood, some of the formative years, like some of the baggage of burdens of being minority race from birth, I don't have. No, because you were were also a majority race for some of your formative years growing up. That's right. And when there is kind of either a put down or you know, attempts to put me in the periphery because I don't currently occupy that position of majority race or culture. Like, I kind of turn around and go, how dare they? (laughs) 
I totally agree. I mean, I think that um, the difference obviously would be because you can navigate that as an adult. Yes. Right? And so can you, Zion, yes. you can navigate that as an adult. Whereas as a as child, a child yeah. you can't have that perspective of your righteousness mm. and how you can address. Or your place. Or your place. Exactly. Whereas a child, that you're just being told that you don't belong. Mm. So, I mean, from my perspective, I felt that I didn't belong in either culture, mm. you know, unless I made the effort mm. to belong in those cultures. And so that was the problem that I had. Right. So for me, it was that that became the difficulty there. So how did you then find a home or a sense of belonging through all of yeah. that? I mean, that would be, I mean, that's, again, a whole nother kettle of fish. <laughs> and many as a therapist. <laughs> We've all had many as a therapist. Yes. <laughs> Thank you to our therapists, right? They really help us navigate some fraught arenas. 100%. But it's definitely making choices. Yeah. And yeah. I don't necessarily think that that is the way forward or the most healthy way of navigating it through. And so I totally commend your friends on being able to have that I conversation know, early. That and those are the impressive. kinds of conversations that I wish I could have with my children yeah. as well. Again, not quite sure because they are much more majority capable yeah. than I ever was. Majority yeah. capable. I know. We're inventing words here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Move over Macquarie. Totally. <laughs> I'm so impressed. <laughs> <laughs> about where you want because we all want our children to be feeling secure happy yes. successful yes. right however That's they all, however they identify right. right you want them to be strong accountable human beings but yeah. you want them to succeed yeah. bottom yes. line right yeah. so in a way you don't want to make it like everything's an issue yes right but, that was my perception right. but it is like these are real issues your daughter looks different yes. in the mainstream. Yes. My kids do have to navigate series of racial discrepancies yes. that they have to confront because yes, otherwise no point. one else will. Yeah. And even though they don't look it and they can pass off as much as they want, and so can I, if you don't hold yourself yeah. accountable, who will? Yeah. And, and, also, and at some point, the accountability, I think, will come to you too, right? And if, it, and if you don't, it will eat you up inside. Yeah, because you know and better. And you need to understand that there's a, a line in the sand that you have to draw because mm. no one else is going to do that for you. Mm, that's really And that's the sense of self that you need to be able to hold true to. Yeah, right. And there is an element so of true. gender in children that we haven't even gotten to mm. because there you go no, you have sons and Zioni, you have a daughter. Mm. Yes. And, yes. you know, speaking of point. raising yeah. daughters, even though mm. I don't have any, my brother does. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and I remember my niece when she was about, I think, five years old at that time. My mom and I had just returned from like a holiday in Spain and had brought back for her this Caucasian blue-eyed doll, like, you know, beautiful and something quite different to something that she would have seen in in Korea because she was born and raised in Korea. So we're about to go to bed and she comes into our room and without any warning, she looks me dead straight in the eye and goes, Auntie, Auntie, are you a black person or a white person? Oh, ah, that's I said, I know. My inside voice was like, Oh my God, how I know, do I answer this? I know, and While where is this coming from? Not, uh, you know, looking like I'm alarmed by what she's asking me. And I just sort of said to her, 
even I are not white or black, mm. we're Asian, and you and I are of the same race. Mm. That's all I could think of because, as far as she knows, Auntie is someone who lives far away in yeah. this mm. country that she's never been to. Right. Um, so I g- gave her that answer, and this five year old looks at me and goes, like she gave me this look, and you could tell her she brain was working, like it was trying <laughs> yeah. to understand. Just not, not good enough. No. And she just like shakes her head a little, and then she goes, "Auntie, Auntie, are you a black person or a white yeah, just person?" Answer Again. The damn, yeah. Just answer the damn question, girl. No nuance yeah. here. Come, Come on. on, give me a color. <laughs> nuance is a difficult thing. We to just carry want off the color. Totally. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Like Us, a new podcast by SBS. You'll find more episodes of Like Us on the SBS website, sbs.com.au slash like us. You can also subscribe to Like Us from the SBS radio app, Apple or Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your hosts are Noe Harsel, Anna Song and Zioni Walker-Nintendo. We are produced and engineered by Michael Burrows at Brand Music and would also like to thank everyone at SBS radio, especially Caroline Gates, for their help and support.